The horror film industry is estimated to be worth somewhere in the region of $500 million per annum, with a number of those films said to be based on true crimes, such as the 1960 movie Psycho, along with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Deranged, both from 1974, and all are believed to have been based on the Ed Gein case with his mother fixation and wearing her face as a mask. This week's episode has the feel of a horror movie and some believe that yet again, as in previous episodes, the murderer was influenced by the Silence of the Lambs film of 1991. This is the case of Katagina Zavada and this is Murder Me on Monday. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Murder Me Monday podcast. I am Cameron and joined with me is Mother. Hello. I'm going to apologise for the pronunciations of most of the words in this because they're Polish and you struggle with English. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and thank you to our newest Patreon subscriber, Sheree W. I can pronounce that one. Hmm. If you'd like to support us via Patreon.com when you get early access and exclusive content and stickers should you want them, please do consider it. But if you can't, we understand. Leaving a review is good too. You like horror films, don't you, Cameron? I do, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a fan. I prefer psychological thrillers. Same as I don't like fairground rides, to be honest. Being terrified out of my wits is not what I call fun. Blood and gore doesn't bother me if I know it's coming. And real if it's medical but Hollywood stuff no no I just you often tell me about horror films and I just because the, I think the premise with a lot of them is much more interesting because you get invested if you watch a lot of shows that are just an action you know so much invested in the actual character whereas if something scary is happening for you to be scared you kind of have to be invested in it in the first place because if you're on your phone you're not paying attention you're not going to be scared but because you're actually watching and dialed in and paying attention I, I, I find it, it intrigues me more and I get more immersed. So when something scares the shit out of me, I go, oh. Plus, most of the time, I think I can probably kill it. If something's after me, if someone's coming at me with a knife, I can probably strangle a fucker so I can probably get away with it more so than I can actually get scared. I've got I, big hands so I can strangle someone. I, I just get overwhelmed and it, it, it works me up to, I can feel my heart rate rising and I get to the point where I've got my legs curled up underneath me and, my, and I just I can't deal with it. We've got a very strange episode coming up not least compounded, as Cameron said, by pronunciation, but also translation and reporting of a name spelt a different way, closed court proceedings and a lot of secrecy. We are off to Krakow in Poland, a world heritage site dating back to the 7th century, sitting on the Vistula River, second largest city in Poland, home to lots of highly rated universities, medical research centres and the very obvious history and culture of such a city attracts thousands of tourists. Katarzyna, Catherine in English, was born on the 1st of June 1975. No, um, that's, it's, not, that's, it's not Catherine in English, it's, that's the more comparable name we have because her name would be Katarzyna re- yes. regardless of kind of like where she is. Like if someone's called Raf or Raphael, same way if someone's called Lucas, it's actually Wukash is how you pronounce it with kind of their like alphabet. If her name was English, it would be Catherine. That's according to everything I read who declared that they were Polish people. So I'm going with that. She was very close to her father, who unfortunately died in 1996 when she was 21. Up until that point, she'd been a normal young woman, described as quiet and unremarkable. Yet when she'd gone to university in Krakow, where she lived with her parents, she really struggled with her chosen path. She studied psychology, some places say for a semester, other places for a year. 
and they swapped that for history and still didn't find what she was looking for until she eventually settled on religious studies. After her father died, her friends at university noticed that she was becoming very withdrawn and sad and would sit by herself in lectures and was eventually diagnosed with depression two years later. Not surprising at all. On the 12th of November 1998, Katarzyna was due to attend an appointment at a psychiatric clinic and a mother had planned on meeting there. Although Katarzyna lived at home, she was supposed to attend a lecture and then go and meet her mother. Katarzyna did not turn up for the appointment and being 1998, not everyone had a mobile phone then. Her mother was perplexed at her seeming disappearance, but also very worried, as there are reports that she may have attempted to kill herself in the past. Her mother tried to report her as missing to the police and, as is often the case, got told it's too soon and to wait. Not particularly helpful, but eventually she was able to file a report after 24 hours. And then nothing for weeks. 6th of January... 1999, a tugboat was doing whatever tugboats do on the Vistula River in Krakow when the crew thought that something like a branch had fouled the propeller and stopped the boat from moving. One poor chap opened the maintenance hatch to dislodge the blockage. It wasn't a branch. It wasn't even a body. It was what he initially thought was some kind of strange fabric sack wrapped around the propeller. He attempted to unravel this stinking mess from the propeller until he spotted what looked like a human ear in the middle of whatever this was. Police were called and initially they thought that someone had killed themselves by throwing themselves in the river and the propeller of the tug had mangled the body. But when they took the remains back to the mortuary and it was laid out, it was discovered that it was a skin of a human torso. The head and limbs had been removed. Obviously, no suicide. DNA testing is done, and eventually it is matched to the missing Katarzyna. Police find bits of her jumper near where the tugboat had caught her, but nothing else. The coroner said that the body had been in the river two to three weeks, yet she'd gone missing some six weeks or so ago. So where she'd been? A week after the gruesome find, at a nearby hydroelectric dam on the same river, a leg, specifically the right leg, was found floating in tree branches and litter that gathers in these places and is matched back to Katarzyna. Her jeans, which were torn up, and a shirt with a square cut out of it were also found nearby. Police start to look at Katarzyna's life and discovered that she was really struggling at uni and had started skipping lectures. And for the preceding two weeks, she hadn't gone at all. But being an adult, her mother wasn't told, and she didn't know. Where was she going in those two weeks when not in lectures? Local library or what? No one knew. It was speculated that maybe she was meeting up with someone that she maybe wanted to keep quiet about. She didn't have many friends and fewer male friends, but one she did have, she'd met at a rock concert and they would socialise a bit around T-shirts for the band and swapping CDs. Police looked hard at him, but apparently his alibi stood up. Things go quiet. A year or so later, unknown DNA was found on Katarzyna's skin 
They tried matching to all possible suspects, which were very few, and looked at all known sex offenders and no matches. What made them randomly decide to start testing a year afterwards? Progress in methods. And technology. Um, yeah, okay. yeah. I was a bit, mm, DNA can't last on the skin that long as it's submerged in flowing water. We know this. So maybe it's a hair because it's not specified what the DNA material was from. It's none in any of the reports. It becomes the cold case until 2012, when it's described as the X-Files team had her remains exhumed. They were basically a cold case squad. The local medical university did some 3D modelling and came to the conclusion that a sharp implement, possibly a knife, had been used to make wounds to her neck, armpit and groin. And rather than injuries from the dismemberment, she had probably bled to death from those wounds. So they were not related to her being dismembered. Police also announced that traces of a rare plant had been found on the clothing remains. A rare plant? Yeah. We are shades What is she, part of the triad? Why is she covered in rare flowers? A rare plant. I've got Gil Grissom going through my head at this point when I was reading all this. Specifically on this jumper, there wasn't much left of it. And they felt that it could point to either where she'd been killed or been put into the river. They had no clue on either location. My immediate leap is, because she's from university, there's someone in some kind of botany lab that fiddles with plants and they've got some pollen on her and then they've, then something's come into contact with her. Because I'm thinking, what do you mean by rare plant? How, what do you mean? Yeah, I don't know. And anything out there is, well, it's very, there's very little out there. There's very little out there and there's a specific reason why and I'll get into it later. 2014, the European arm of the FBI offered to help and they created a profile of the offender, pointing out the blindingly obvious that the perpetrator had sadistic tendencies. 2016, investigators are then working with a professor from a university in Colombia. This professor was a UN expert in torture and said, in his opinion, Katagina had been tortured, but that the perpetrator was probably... Not possibly, probably trained in martial arts. And that was due to what they believed mm. to be beating marks on the skin. Mm, that's kind of their leap thing of, oh, as you can tell, was a blood spatter. It, no, um, that's mm, just, that's mm. a leap. I know you're an expert witness and therefore you can draw certain conclusions from information that's not necessarily being provided. But bro, <laughs> would you mean, what, you've been hit by a spinning back fist and you can tell what that is by the bruising? No, you're just making that up. I... This is what this guy said. Bear in mind, they had nothing else but the skin and this one leg. Yeah, I, I know it's 17 years post. So like you said, technology and methodology has improved. Mm. But to determine someone is a martial arts expert based on the bruising, if you had said there was a break in the humerus, well, basically the elbow by the way it's broken, and you could say that was an arm bar, which is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu move. That you could draw it. But to say based on the bruising like you've got from a, some skin that was found 17 years ago, you, man's tired from jumping to conclusions. Mm. This expert is also on record as saying the victim was probably alive when she was skinned. Well, I know they can tell those things. The, he said the right limb over the ankle joint had to be strapped to something until finally, between December the 7th and 14th, 1998, the perpetrator choked the victim with a chain. Before that, he'd been giving her drugs. Now, that apparently came all from this leg that they found. And there's enough left of the, excuse the word, stalk of the neck to see that she'd been strangled with the chain on the skin. Yeah. 
Now, I had no idea where the drugs bit came from, but there must have been something residual that they'd found within the tissues of the leg, wasn't there? I don't think it's too much of a leap either to check yeah. if someone had been poisoned or drugged. Mm. But with the date of her having been killed somewhere around the 7th to the 14th of December and her going missing on the 12th of November, it's obvious she must have been held captive during that time somewhere and drugged to keep her quiet and compliant, maybe. Not only had her head and arms and other leg not been found, but by the way the skin had been removed from the body to form this torso sleeve, it was the way it was cut, it was up and over one ear, which explains why the tugboat guy saw what he did see, and at a really odd angle. There are pictures out there. Well, some are drawings, and some claim to be actual pictures, and I'm not linking those because I can't verify them. But it's not the picture you may have in your head of one of those Greek statues without a head and arms. The dissection was much cruder, not skilled, which may be relevant later. And then I found it. A weird report that was obviously computer-generated translation into English. Yet again, the nipples were missing. And I swear... I did not know this. I That's was... why you picked this case, wasn't it? I didn't know. I ask you, what made you pick this case? You go, oh, it's interesting. Maybe it's kind of topical. This one's because there's no, there's no nipples. Oh, God. The police reports and general reporting is a bit like Germany in that the only first names are given with the surname as an initial. It's something they just don't release any of that information even at all. Now, it seems that the police have been busy in the background for years when it gets quiet. But they were keeping stuff close to their chests. Since 1999, when one person who had been a suspect, but they never had anything on him, was arrested on the 4th of October 2017, almost 19 years after Katagina's disappearance. 53-year-old Robert Janczewski. Janczewski, that's what I was going to say. Janczewski. A friend of Robert's had written the police a letter... They've not revealed what was in it, but possibly it contained something because shortly after receiving the letter, the police arrest him. What do we know about him? Not a lot. Some reports state that he was beaten by his father from a very young age. He was also known as rather a sadistic boy and had been caught abusing cats and dogs when he was young. Yet his father is on record in the local papers saying that they believed in his innocence. Now... Animal abuse. We know that that's an indicator of these things, isn't it? Although he was a year or two older than Katagina, he had known her. And that, along with a letter, wouldn't normally have been enough, even if the letter had stated that Robert had confessed to his mate. But he was trained in martial arts. He also had a history of harassing women. He had also worked at the local zoological institute where animals were skinned and had actually been fired when he killed all of the Institute's rabbits, deliberately. Never explained why he did it, and it's not clear what he did to those poor animals either. Thank God. I'm sure it's in Polish somewhere, but I didn't want to read that. But there is again speculation that he could have watched animal dissection at the Institute and maybe have assisted in some instances. So perhaps getting some rudimentary training or picking up ideas how to do it. More reports in multiple places that he used to visit Katagina's grave. Now that's not uncommon with murderers, is it? We know that one. 
maybe somebody's watched him and realised he was going frequently and it wasn't, they, everybody knew it was only her mum that was left and so, I don't know. That letter must have been the catalyst and I've no idea how hearsay works in Poland. Can't find that out. But it was probably enough to get DNA testing. How the what, sorry, works? Hearsay. Oh, hearsay. I thought you said the ESA and I'm thinking, what's that agency? <laughs> I don't know who that hearsay, is. Hearsay, yeah. It was probably enough to get DNA testing done and it was certainly enough to get a warrant for Robert's place. At Robert's apartment, please find a journal or a diary. I know there's kind of like a threshold for the prosecution and the defence. Because I know during discovery, that's when everyone's like, oh, let's put what we have versus what you have. And we think, okay, this is probably actually going to go to court and end in, the, end in a conviction. But I think if they have enough stuff that's for like a reasonable amount, there's like a threshold, like say 30%. There's there's enough mm. here where he knew Robert. Some For some reason, it ticks this box about martial artists, which yep. wound me up. That's a coincidence. I don't care. He's had history or whatever. He knew her. They're from the same place. There's a, there's a letter. He's visiting. You, you might think that's kind of odd. It's it's purely circumstantial. There's no actual evidence of anything here. But then they go and check it. That's kind of enough to start the initial stuff. And then that's when they can see that there's enough to then go further forward. That's when they can detain someone. It was probably the letter that gave them enough information to get a warrant to go and actually check his place out. Yeah? At Robert's apartment, they found this journal or diary that contained a description of what the police believe Robert did to Katagina and how she died. Now, many of these news articles state that blood was found on a mirror in his apartment that was traced back to Katagina. Wait, now? Yeah, hold on. So the blood survived... I, oh, let me, I did some weird digging, but other places also say that blood was found in the bath... And on the bath frame. So we've got a dirty bugger who didn't clean. Either way, it's in one or two or three places, yeah? Now, if you're wondering how useful dried blood spots were after 19 years, very. Well, they're probably not even fully dry. They're in the bathroom. They're going to have constant moisture. They're not even going to be fully dry. That mirror might be in the hallway. It doesn't make any difference. They can still get a full DNA profile from it. I know, I know. I'm not defending, I'm not defending anyone. I'm, I'm just saying that the blood spots aren't even probably just blood spots because they're constantly being moistened, moistened by the fact it's in the bathroom. Well, one of the little sad bits I went down was about DNA. And it seemingly it's got a half-life for 521 years. And I'm how like... How long, sorry? 521 years. Do you understand how half-lives work? Yes, uh, uh, the bonds break and then it's another 521 years and then they break in half again. Well, for the non-scientists amongst monsters, which is me, not Cameron so much, it means under ideal conditions, apparently, DNA would last around 6.8 million years. But of course, they're still arguing over the millions of years it would actually be readable. So maybe a full-on Jurassic Park stuff is a while off, but it probably did catch Robert. He was charged with aggravated murder. He pled not guilty and denied that he knew her. Not that it makes one scrap of difference whether he knew her or not, whether he killed her, is it? All the stuff that he'd written about what he may or may not have done to her is completely circumstantial. The prosecution would have to prove he did this. Yeah. He could say, I've killed 800 people. It's kind of irrelevant. But once you've got any kind of biological evidence, it's kind of, oh, oh, okay, so this is now actually evidence and this is like a declaration of what you've done rather than just like some kind of nutter fantasy. Yeah, and if that whatever it was that they found the DNA on her skin, if it was a hair, it would tie back to him, wouldn't it? Yeah, almost almost immediately. And mm. then now you have, a, you have a full loop, in which case the judge is going to go, yes. How Again, how it works in Poland, I couldn't work out for the life of me. But the police pushed and the courts ordered a closed trial. We, we've actually come across that before in other countries. I think it was France we came across it. 
No idea why they did this on this one, but it may have had something to do with the 500 files they had on the case. And it was probably some seriously disturbing stuff in them and they didn't want it out in the public domain. It goes quiet in the Polish press. And even now, in 2023, people are still saying that this case is unsolved. However, I have read in multiple places that he was tried and convicted on the 14th of September 2022. So why are some places reporting is it not being done? Or actually, to be fair, if it's 2022, how many people have been doing it from, say, 2020? So they're they're not done. There's a couple. And the thing is, there was nothing in any paper that I could find, even if I set my VPN to Poland. And it's not helped by the fact he's often only referred to as Robert J. Again, that's what they do. Even Katarzyna's surname is often spelt differently with an N at the end or an A. But there are many people out there on various forums that I was reading who are obviously local or Polish who have said the same thing. The guy's being convicted. Now, I believe from what I read that he's been sentenced to life in prison. But he also got a sentence for a separate year's imprisonment, probably just in case he appeals, I guess, for falsely accusing prison guards of some stuff, abusing him or something. And all allegations were declared unfound. Now, There's only one real video out there that's only available in Poland. I assume a VPN would work, but as it's in Polish, which I don't speak, so I haven't even tried to watch it, but I will link it. Now, the video is apparently mostly interviews with police officers, coroners, psychiatrists and various witnesses. The sexual motive of the crime is a foregone conclusion for everyone involved in that film, so I read. There's also speculation that the person who was the friend that she used to go to concerts with and supposedly had a watertight alibi may have actually been Robert J. But we don't know. So allegedly. There's also speculation from police giving hints and was probably clarified at trial. But they seem to think that he may have worn this skin suit or torso which takes us back to our opening. And it got me wondering, as they never found her head, that blood on the mirror, could he maybe have done an Ed Gine and worn her face or tried to? I had filed this away as an unsolved episode and maybe thinking of doing an unsolved series for Patreon. Thanks, Claire. I'm admitting I don't like unsolved. Too many questions and speculation and I'm only human and would wish that families and friends were given answers. But finding out he was actually convicted last year, so here we are. But we're not finished. On to a couple of other cases that are linked by almost everyone who has either written or recorded about this case due to the rather disturbing MO in Katagina's murder, the location and by possibly, and I may, and I'm going to say may, have known Katagina. 1983. Again in Krakow, Jan N, that initial on the surname again, a perfectly normal chap by all accounts. He decided to murder and skin his wife and teenage son and then dismember them. He then tried to dispose of the bodies by tossing them into the Vistula River, piece by piece. From what I remember reading, and I'm sure I've heard this somewhere else before, I think he was arrested mid-throw. They'd found a couple of bits and came and they, they caught him just 
chucking these body parts in the river. And he was committed to a mental hospital. His health declined and they let him out, basically. And it was parole, 1998, which was when Katagina went missing. You have quite literally been caught red-handed. Mm-hmm. Why would you get let on parole? Because he was, he was sick. Yep. Uh, and? It often happens. They don't want to pay the medical costs. Yes, but he did do it. And if he's sick... It w- it w- he was let out in 1998 when Katagina went missing, but the police believed he was too physically ill or frail to do what happened to her. And he was never seriously considered as a suspect, but he came from the same town. Highly motivated, weird people are very dangerous. This man's already got a history of violence. Just because he's sick doesn't mean he ain't going to be fucky. Well, this next one is graphic. So fingers in the ears or skip forward a bit if you don't want to hear it. May 1999, after Katagina's body had been found, again in Krakow, an old man, his 50-year-old son and his 26-year-old grandson were all living together. The grandson had been born in Russia, which is relevant. The old man's eyesight had been failing pretty bad, so he didn't notice initially something was off with his son. They had met up and had breakfast in a restaurant together one day, but he thought his son's voice was odd, yet he couldn't put his finger on why. Now, no idea why this was his go-to move. It's not been explained, but the old man goes into the basement of his house he shared with his son and grandson. He finds something genuinely out of a horror movie. A headless body hung from the basement rafters by its ankles. He goes to a neighbour's and tells them to call the police, telling them that there's a dead body in his basement and he thinks his grandson has done something. Police arrive and soon find out that the headless corpse is Vitali, the old man's son. His grandson, Vladimir, had lured his father down to the basement and had tried to electrocute him. That didn't work, so he stabbed him instead. He hangs him by his ankles and it's said using a scalpel and shovel decapitates him, putting a bucket under the headless corpse to allow the blood to drain out. That is exactly how it is written, but I suspect he removed the head with the shovel when the body was on the floor because it's physically impossible to do with the body hanging. Yes, I spent far too long wondering about that. Vladimir takes his father's head and skins it, throwing the skull into the garden as you do. He has to do some nifty needlework to get the skin mask to hold together and uses salt to dry it out and even use some kind of plastic polymer to patch things together so he could wear it. He goes so far as to put on his father's clothes and a hat, glasses and a scarf. He then left home and sat on a bench where he was to meet his grandfather for breakfast. Yet again, by this point, I'm wondering what, if anything, the staff had even noticed at the restaurant. Was he bundled up like the Invisible Man? He surely couldn't have drunk or eaten anything with this monstrosity on his face. Yep, overthinking again, maybe. So Vladimir realises the jig is up, so he decides to flee to a local bus stop where he's nicked while he's waiting for a bus. When you combine the word flee with local, doesn't really work, does it? (laughs) No. No, you, you get out of the area. Yeah, sat at a bus stop waiting for a bus. In his defence, he was trying to get somewhere, but he flees (laughs) to a local (laughs) bus stop. Now, lots of places state that this was a revenge killing. His father, Vitaly, apparently been having an affair when they all lived in Russia. And he promptly ups, takes Vladimir and leaves the mother behind with nothing. So, 
Vladimir was not happy with his father leaving his mother destitute. Resentful and blames the dad. Yeah. yeah. At trial, Vladimir tells the court murder was meant to be a work of art, illustrating extreme human meanness and an act with no holds barred. He also said his crime was inspired by a killer in the movie Seven. I'm sure I've seen it, but I don't remember it. Have you seen Seven? I'm sure I have. It's got Kevin Spacey in it, Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah, I know. The, no, it's, the... it's supposed to be about um, different murders that have happened around the Seven Deadly Sins. Yeah, Danny. Danny. I don't know. Yeah, you, I, you can I, be it's, yeah. it's based on the Seven Deadly Sins, and that would kind of actually fit in with one of the things. That could have been like... Um, Lust, whatever, because his, his dad was lusting after another woman and had an affair, so that's why he killed his dad. Yeah, he obviously didn't like his granddad very much, though, because he wore this mask to see whether his grandfather could recognise him. I don't... Okay, is there actual confirmation that this happened? Is this in the news? Mm-hmm. It's been corroborated? There's proper mm-hmm. police reports? It's yep. posted in the news, for example. Yeah, yeah. This sounds like a fanfic that a told of you had written. This doesn't sound true. No, it's definitely true. Psychiatrist di- diagnosed Vladimir with border... Why have you not done this case, then? Because this, this is... This- if there's just not enough information, apart from it being a TikTok, you can't really make content out of it. Exactly. But that, this sounds like a fan fiction. There are people going to be listening to this going, that didn't happen. She's going to say psych. Cause, so he hung his dad after decapitating him, wore his skin to meet his granddad. Yes. That doesn't sound like it's actually happened. Well, psychiatrist diagnosed Vladimir with borderline schizoid personality disorder. He was sentenced to 25 years in prison and was eventually shipped off back to Russia to serve the remainder of his sentence. And just doing the sums, he's possibly out or will be released very soon. The possible connection with Katagina is that they went to the same university and did the same course, although he is a year older and didn't study at the same time as her. It's very possible that he'd seen her. Maybe he even knew her. No one knows. He always denied it was him. And obviously the DNA and all of the other evidence leads back to Robert. And before we go, Robert, is he really a one and done type of killer, do we think? That's sexual sadism off the scale. And his neighbour reports, well, neighbours report what they considered odd behaviour going back years. Was that odd behaviour after the fact? There's exactly. half the people that live on this street if they did something. You think exactly. they've done it. <laughs> Why is he taking his bins out on a Tuesday? He's a killer. Is it after, yeah. I assume it's after the, after the fact. Yeah. And as you said, is he a one and done? Probably not because most people escalate. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So would that one murder expunge his need to kill and wear someone? And I, I doubt it. I don't think there's any way he spent 19 years not getting up to stuff he shouldn't have done. And that mum, like you said, it's an escalation. They usually escalate or they've been so pent up and something usually causes a break. There's some people then display these incredible amounts of violence. Yeah. Or, or proclivities to some weird fetish they've got, usually. But for him to escalate from nothing into skinning someone and potentially wearing someone's skin, there's a, there's a leap somewhere. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Although he had history of harassing women... Was he going around sexually assaulting women and people, or maybe tourists, and people were just not reporting it, or cases being dropped? We don't know because of the way this was behind closed doors and everything's been locked away and you can't get access to any of it. It's the fact that there were three of these people in Krakow, which were all about the skinning of bodies that bothered me. And obviously lots of people are linking these to horror films, but that's all speculation. We'll never know. 
And I seriously doubt anything will ever actually be released by authorities to verify what's been said or what hasn't. You've seen pictures. Um, they are the only two pictures out there of Robert. Um, both times his um, face has been obscured. You can't, you know. I would recognise him by his man boobs. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he's a rather short, stocky chap, isn't There's he? There's nothing wrong with bros that have gynecomastia, but man's got some juicy titties. <laughs> And that is the end of this week's episode. Finally, the victim who should not be forgotten, Katagina Zavada, aged 23. So that's the end. Thank you very much. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Murder Me Monday Podcast. Email us at Murder Me Monday Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone on the Patreon. We appreciate it. I'm working on the next episode as we speak. So, got to edit an episode. So, anyway, we'll see you next time. Much love. Peace. Bye.